Well, hey there, all you Hulkamaniacs. Welcome back to another episode of the Cigar Social Podcast. This is episode eight. My name is Matt. Today, I am remote. I'm coming at you from Ottawa, Tennessee, located just outside of Chattanooga, and broadcasting back in Chicagoland. Ken, how's it hanging? It's going well. I miss you very much. This is really weird for me. I am out in Glen Ellen, Illinois, and great to hear your voice. I know. We haven't seen each other in a couple weeks now. I've been down uh, at my parents' house. Um, Right now, I'm currently sitting in my dad's cigar room. Uh, Very jealous. Hashtag grown man goals. Uh, You'll see, if you're listening, I'm going to post some pictures on our cigar dojo and cigar scanner. You can actually check out my little tiny tour that I did of it uh, on our TikTok. Dude, we have a TikTok now. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, That was pretty nifty, what you had there and with the, the, uh, the Willy Wonka. Type of thing, you know, very much like a fantasy candy store type of deal. Immediately I mean, jealous. I mean, immediately jealous. It's uh, quite fitting. I'm, this room is quite literally my my candy store. When I walk in, I go to the humidor and I'm I just stand there. I don't know what to smoke. Uh, he and and there's another video of his bar, and it's like you stand there. Just it's like walking into a Benny's. You scratch your head. You don't know what you want. I got, I think he needs to grab some type of like. Uh, dice so we can roll which shelf to pull from and then you know count how many bottles to the left you could pull you know I don't know there's got to be some type of system in play anyway yeah get the shindig on the road here uh, let's have a little show and tell last episode I brought the archetype dream state Churchill this week it's Ken's turn to bring uh, the cigar since we're remote, we kind of talked ahead of time. We decided that we we're going to smoke the same thing. Uh, so what do you got for us, bud? Okay. All right, friend. I have the Ramon Alonis by A.J. Fernandez Toro. Uh, yeah, this is a good pick. And I'm going to get ready to pipe it up, too. Hang on. Yeah. Okay. Let me get into this a little bit. This uh, immediate when you look at it, it's got that uh, kind of like a milk chocolate kind of color to it. It's got a great aroma. Uh, anyway, some uh, little couple specs on this. Basically, it's a it's highlighted by a, a dark, high priming hybrid seed wrapper. It's referred to as the Habano Oscuro Medio Tiempo grown on the Fernandez farm. Uh, the wrapper is Nicaraguan Habano Oscuro Medio Tiempo. Binder, Nicaraguan. Filler, Nicaragua. Uh, country of origin, could you guess? That's right, Nicaragua. You don't say. What's that? I said you don't say. I don't say. And let me see some other things we have here. Uh, like I said, this is quite an interesting uh, cigar. Uh, it is, I mean, dare they say the masterpiece of the, the line they have. They do... Advise it's a medium full body blend. Uh, I'm not gonna let now, real quick. When you have you fired it up? Have you been tasting it yet? I have, I have okay. it's really weird. We can't see each other, yeah. So I can only, yeah. Uh, no, I've lit it up off the jump. Very, very good flavor, right? Um, immediately, and I think that's the staple of an AJ Fernandez cigar. I know we've talked to 
a couple of people, including uh, Cliff from Black Starline Cigars. And he said even that he can smoke cigarettes blindfold or cigars blindfolded and tell you an AJ Fernandez immediately. And I think this is a perfect example. Uh, with that, now I'm going to ask you a little quiz. Anything jumps out at you as far as the notes or what you can taste in this full body blend? I get I get uh, a strong coffee. May I may I dare say an espresso? Ooh. Immediately. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's exactly what they said. I, I hope. You, wow. Yes, espresso is the that coffee hint flavor you've got. It also goes on to say uh, cashew, cedar, which we've always we've come across quite a bit. I think that's been like kind of a namestay. Uh, yeah. And uh, and spice, I mean, just a general term, spice. Now, it's interesting, too, because the Ramon Alonis by A.J. Fernandez is available in four sizes. And uh, you have the Robusto, which is five and a half by 50. Torpedo, which is five and a half by 54. Toro, which we're enjoying right now, is a six by 52. And then, of course, the Churchill is a seven by 50. So um, you got a little different there. You got yourself a high, sophisticated ventilation system and a beautiful humidor setting am i correct there yeah i mean this room that he built uh in his at his house in his basement it is it's amazing uh if you're a cigar smoker uh it's it's got the ventilation fans he's got an extra turbo fan for when everyone's in like when he's got this place packed with with people burning sticks and uh, uh it doesn't take away from the aroma though you know, so, you know, the fans aren't strong enough where you feel like the hat, your hat is going to be, you know, sucked off the top of your head because of the fans are so strong. Sure. Uh, you still get the aroma of the cigars in here uh, without, obviously, the smoke in your face. It's, uh, it's perfectly balanced. It's ideally what we want to make the shed into, right? That's our yeah. next move. Yeah, I think that's going to be the next move. Some type of ventilation in the in the shed, so we can close the doors and not freeze our cash and prizes off in the wintertime. Indeed, I uh, unlike you, I'm I'm roughing it. I uh, I'm actually have a window system that I'm using right now. Basically, the window's open, and uh, some of my prototype fans that I've been working on, I, I'm putting one to use right now. And that's what's being used to. And it's doing quite well with the ashtray and pushing the smoke outside. Uh, for now, we'll see what happens as they continue to burn. But uh, nonetheless, I am uh, very impressed with the cigar. Um, I'm going yeah. to go ahead and went with this. Now, if I read correctly, uh, this thing has a, a Corojo 99 binder. Is, yeah. is you got on your notes? Yeah, that okay. as well. It has the Corojo 99 binder. A mix of Nicaraguan Carrillo 98 and Corojo 99 okay. fillers. Yeah. So See, you are correct. I'm a huge fan of the Corojo. Uh, I'm a, if I, especially the, the Leaf by Oscar Corojo, uh, I thoroughly enjoy the spice that you get off of a Corojo. And I know the Carrillo is uh, even probably, some would say, even slightly spicier. So you're getting both in the fillers on this, the binder is a Corojo 99, the Medio Temp Tiempo Habano Escuro wrapper. Like this is a combination. Uh, like, like you said, it's a, it's a masterpiece. Uh, it's a perfect product from AJ Fernandez. Yeah. It's, you know, I, uh, 
you know, it's you know, jogging my memory. I don't remember when's the last time I had one, uh, an AJ Fernandez, but I always knew the name. And I'm glad I came in today with my eyes wide shut open. And it was like, uh, it's, it's, it's great. It actually, I wish I was outside, uh, but uh, it's fantastic actually. So I, I'm really enjoying that. And okay, here we have that. Now we got a little twist today as far as the, sh- the show and tell. Yeah. You know, why don't you, since you are down in Tennessee, we have, I guess we'll call it a Tennessee type of motif. Yeah. And uh, fire away. So since I'm down here in Chattanooga, right outside of Chattanooga, one of the bottles that I always reach for when I'm down here is the Chattanooga tennis, uh, Chattanooga whiskey. They make a couple of different ones. Um, so today I have the Chattanooga 91. This is a straight bourbon, Kentucky, uh, Chattanooga whiskey company. It's uh, distilled at the Chattanooga riverfront distillery. Uh, it was released August, 2019, 91 proof, hence the name aged two years. Uh, the mash bill, yellow corn, malted rye, uh, caramel malted barley, and honey malted barley. The colors, uh, copper hue. And the MSRP on one of these bottles is about 35 bucks. Okay. Uh, quick history on, on this. In, in, in about 2011, Chattanooga Whiskey became the first legal distillery in Chattanooga in over 100 years. Uh, in 2019, the distillery produced two new signature expressions, the Chattanooga 91 and the Chattanooga Cast 111. Uh, the company states that the signature recipe, known as Barrel 91, uh, for Chattanooga Whiskey 91, was selected by head distiller Grant McCracken. From the first 100 experimental barrels uh, they created, and so... The 91 is a four-grain straight bourbon consisting of all the malts that, that I've uh, said. Um, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of it. It's not too high octane, full of flavor. Uh, this is also created a Solero finish. So the company brings together almost 100 barrels into a 4,000-gallon charred uh, white oak Solero finishing barrel, which never goes empty, kind of like an infinity bottle. And then each batch size of the Chattanooga Whiskey 91 consists of approximately 8 to 12 barrels in total. Okay. All right. And you have poured yourself that, I'm just guessing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, I have had the 91 and enjoyed it. And that's the little twist we're talking about. So, here I am in Illinois. And I have the Chattanooga Whiskey 111, the Cast 111. So that's where, hey, we, we tricked you, folks. That's right. We're not drinking the same thing. So I'm you getting anyone. Who's what? Yeah. You've been hornswoggled. So here. Okay. I just popped it open. And glug, glug, glug. There it is. Okay. Gave myself a nice healthy pour. Right off the bat, you know, you can... As I was pouring it into the glass, you can sense the aroma. And I think the fan had a little help with that, too. Pushed it right into the nostrils. And it has not an overbearing alcohol beverage no. smell. It does have those those hints, the woody type of hints that are there. And I'm getting ready to take my sip. So let's let's do an, uh, a, a, a cheers, a, a clinky, if you would, uh, somehow. Ready? Off the bottle. 
two, three. All right. That worked. It did. Oh, this is delicious. So before I get into it, I, you know, I forgot to tell you this before we took a swig. So I did a little bit of research. You probably knew this. I didn't know this. But all the people who know what they're doing with this kind of thing, what they do when they do their tastings for their whiskeys or brown liquors, they take a baby sip just to go ahead and kind of excite the senses and get it ready to go, kind of like prepare the palate for what uh, what's about to come. And then the second sip that you have is more abundant, more volume, and you get a better sense of the flavor. So I'm attempting that right now. I took my baby sip, and now I'm going to go ahead with the more voluminous amount. And here it goes. You've already excited your senses. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. Long before the show, I might add. But, okay. okay. Now, I was going into this thinking, here we have a 111, higher octane. I'm thinking, oh boy, here we go. Here comes that burn. Uh, And actually, I don't know if I did it, you know, by doing this, you know, step process. But it was less of a burn or less of drying out. I guess that uh, that alcohol does a massive type of dehydration across the palate. I just learned that as well. And that's why that feels like a burn. And tasting it, I do taste a little bit of like kind of like chocolatey, a little, little bit. And, you know, the other notes that we're familiar with, with most brown liquors that we have. Now, with this particular one, the cast, uh, the whiskey cast of 111, uh, it's the same as the, the 91, but of course it's got 10% more alcohol. Uh, and it notes a peanut type of note to it, to the nose, which I... I guess I can associate with, but I didn't really catch that, but that's me. Uh, it is, it's bold. It's a stronger butterscotch note is what it tastes. And it is a little bit sweeter. So I would say, yeah, as far as when I was talking about that chocolate, I definitely would agree that it was probably a sweeter type of profile. Let me go ahead and take another sip because, oh, never can go wrong with that. Uh, definitely more engaging, definitely richer type of taste to it i kind of you know like we've shied away a little bit from the higher octane ones um i would have to say i can't believe we've been saying this um i think i would either one of these these right here i, I definitely enjoy this one uh this 111 uh mm. it's not too caustic or not too uh not, not too uh not too much of a burn as we say Uh, And you can taste the different flavors. And I'm being educated on the different flavors. I do note there's distinctions, but but, uh, obviously being told by others about the the butterscotch and the peanut notes, okay, that I could very well, all right, now I can associate with it. Once again, the witness tampering. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I smell that. But I originally didn't just because I didn't know what I was tasting. Mm. Uh, I've always said when I come down here in Tennessee – even though my my father has a a very large selection of selection of whiskeys to include bottles that I haven't even touched yet, and I I ask him for permission. Um, the Chad New whiskey is always a strong go to, and for the price point, I mean thirty five to forty dollars a bottle. I know as you start getting into the one eleven or 
he even has a, a Chattanooga single barrel here, which is 121 proof. You know, you're going to go up there in price point, but still, you're you're getting a, a quality product. I've I've never. I would probably say that Chattanooga whiskey would be in my top five all time favorite whiskeys. For sure. You know, that's uh, I kind of echo the same type of outlook and what i mean by it because we're thinking okay the summer's coming up and we're probably going to go to a host of different you know gatherings etc etc and we're going to come across a lot of different people a lot of different tastes and whatnot specifically if i did bring the chattanooga 91 to an event i would definitely have a lot of people as takers and brand new people maybe to the game if somebody is brand new to the game, I would feel very confident giving them that or to sample that yep. for, a, for a good experience. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. You I, know, it doesn't have uh, the burn up front. It's very flavorful, pops right off the tongue. And then the finish is smooth. You get a little little chest chest warming. Yeah, I feel that too. I, same with this as well. It comes down past the throat into the top of the sternum there. But if you're, sure. you're just getting into a whiskey and you're trying new whiskeys and this is a perfect bottle to, to say here have a glass enjoy tell me what you think yeah and well how's your cigar how you feeling with that because i'm really enjoying this and blowing it out and the window it is um burning perfectly uh mm-hmm. i strong i i'm about to uh, almost an inch in the ash I was about to twist it on the, the rim of the ashtray, but it was it still feels kind of firm, so I'm just gonna let it do its thing. I'm not gonna force it. Uh flavors are amazing. Uh yeah, this is a great cigar. Uh oh. starting to get that cedar, starting to really open up that espresso flavor. Um definitely going to keep these in my humidor uh, probably more often than I thought I would. So. Yeah, good call. Good call. What do you think of the old uh, Ramon Alone's AJ Fernandez? Oh, I'm uh, yeah, that's another one where I'm probably going to that will be in my humidor from here on out. Uh, that's another one where we're talking about for introducing other people to the to the craft, if you will, uh, to the esoteric society that we're building. The, um, for sure, I would have that. I immediately enjoyed it. And I was saying it was a medium to full. How do you feel? I don't feel, I feel it's in, I guess that's the best way to put it. It's not quite medium, but it's not quite full. Yep. I mean, right? Absolutely. I think uh, it definitely dances on that line between the two. It's not a punch in the face. No. It's not a, a huge, the body, I would say maybe a full-bodied, medium to full strength. Because off the body, I'm getting a lot of flavors, a lot of, a lot of different things, very uh, robust flavor. But as far as strength is concerned, again, we're just, we're just getting through our first third here. But I would definitely say more medium to full, but not, you know, not either one. Okay, so I was having a cigar 
that, uh, like I said, I'm not going to name it. It was, did the whole thing, our check downs, everything that it was that we normally do. And it was very harsh. Uh, when I was taking the first pull, you know, we only did it. And I'm like, man, it really had a, a rough uh, feel to it and taste to it that I, I wasn't used to. I mean, we've had some high quality cigars and this jumped out at me as something that was just, oof. so it's very interesting because I had that a couple of weeks or a couple of days ago within this week. And now trying this one, which is a marked difference, you know, it's renewed my faith in the cigars again. So I just want to pass that on to you. So. Yes. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I would only assume if, if it's the cigar that shall not be named, it's got, it's got to be pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. I don't like, you know, I don't like to get bad press, but I'm like, you know, we'll talk about it as it is, but I was just kind of shocked because it's one of those that I normally, you know, have, you know, it's not an expensive one. It's, it's out, you know, it's out in the, uh, um, you know, out in the masses. And I was kind of shocked. It was a Churchill and I was like, Whoa, what is this? So, uh, it had everything else that was attached here that was good. I mean, it had a nice long burn. I mean, it was probably probably one of the longest ashes that I had for a consistent burn. Uh, but it was all show, no go. Um, you know, it was, you know, that was that. So I guess we're going to come across those as it stands. Uh, just hope it doesn't happen on our show, you know? Yeah. Okay. All right. So you've been out for a little while. How is the weather out there? You know, it rained for probably most of last week. And we're right on the water here. We're, we're within, uh, they call it Savannah Bay. Uh, it attaches to the Chickamauga River, which is absolutely huge and gorgeous. Um, so we usually take the, the pontoon out and hang out and do the, the water sports, the, the tubing, the uh, wakeboarding, all that jazz. But it was just rainy as all get out. And we finally have a nice day today. The kids are outside in the pool and we're just kind of hanging out, enjoying the weather while it lasts. Um, but yeah, it, it's beautiful regardless. Uh, just had some rainstorms, which is just fine. It gives us a little chance to connect under, under the patio and, and burn cigars and drink whiskey and listen to the rain. But how, how is it up there? Uh, today actually turned out to be a gorgeous day. We, uh, it really is. Yesterday was a little rainy, but I think we're set up for a pretty good weekend. Uh, not too hot. I think it's going to be high in the low seventies today and going to carry out through the, through Sunday and Monday. So we've definitely been blessed with that. Uh, it's not humid, um, but you're on, like you said, you're on a lake or in a pontoon. I, I mean, I kind of would go ahead and you know, wish I was out by you, but it's still nice here. So yeah. anyway, I'm going to give it to you as far as what's on your mind, Matt. Well, now? you know, I wanted to give up a, a, a secret of mine, if you would, uh, with it being grill season, I wanted to maybe share my method of smoking ribs. Mm. Yeah. So first, you're going to need a smoker. Okay. Obviously. You don't yeah. have one, hit pause, go get one. We'll sit here and smoke a cigar and wait. You mean right now? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm just letting the listener oh, know. Okay. They don't All have right. a smoker. All right. All right. That's no. the step one. Uh, get that smoker. Stable temp, about 270. I know traditional smoking temp is about 225. Hold on to your hat and hear me out. Some use store-bought wood chips or chunks. Some even sprinkle some charcoal. 
Uh, I personally chop my own logs and build a fire in a firebox, you know, man style. But, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. That's the, yeah. I think that's the bigger secret. It is. It's fun that way because I find it more satisfying, more accomplished. You know, my, my dad here has a, a, a pellet smoker and not a big fan. The flavor's good. He knows how to he knows how to smoke meat and, and make it taste good. But I also feel like it's kind of like the crock pot of barbecues. You know, you just kind of set it and forget it. And See, for, forgive me. I'm stuck on you chopping wood. I had an image. Yeah. You've got like the red handkerchief like around your neck and like there's like a bunch of like cold bush light like in a bucket. Uh, it, well, this is going down. It would be more of like a, you know, a, a PBR or, a, you know, a Natty Daddy or something when I'm out there in my, my shorts. All right. They're in the team picture. Okay, they're in the team picture, so I'm not off the, no. too truly off the mark. Okay, so, so I, 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 okay, I, I'm sorry. Continue. Just... No, no, no. Uh, so yeah, get your temperature right after you trim your your ribs. Uh, it's time for the rub. I feel the simple is best. Two to one ratio, more black ground pepper than salt. Maybe a small amount of paprika just for color, but that's it. You can get crazy if you want, but me personally, I go simple. Okay, And then when it just comes to the cook, it takes about six hours to smoke a, a rack of ribs, in my opinion. Some would do the three, two, one method. And you can go ahead and look that up and try to compare the two. I follow the method that uh, the famous Aaron Franklin uses. Um, and if you don't know who that is, again, hit pause, Google him. We'll wait. Uh, He's a Ben Franklin's nephew, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, twice removed. Okay. All right. So he's an inventive type. Yeah, yeah. He's down in Austin, Texas. He's got oh. about three day wait uh, for his his barbecue. It's just outstanding. He does a master class. I've watched his master class. I have his books. Uh, just a great barbecue. He uses the three three game plan, which means you leave the ribs in for uh, wrapped, uh-huh. uh, and then you you leave the re- ribs in for the first three hours unwrapped. Then you wrap them. Uh, I use butcher paper, and then that's that's there for this the the last three hours. Uh, question for you: I don't know if you said this, but you know, I I've dabbled with it, never really got you know deep into it. The did you mention anything about chips like water soaked type of chips, like wood chips that you put in there for the smoking? Yeah, yeah. Some people use like the the wood chips or like the chunks you buy at Home Depot. And I'll, I'll sometimes grab a, a bag of chunks just for if I'm doing something funky like wings or something and you want to throw some apple flavor in the smoke or um, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, for the most part, I don't really mess too much with that. Um, you go but, into a forest, chop down a tree. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then take the fruits of Mother Nature. And then there you go from that. That's what that's what you're imparting to me. Is that right? Straight up lumberjack. I'm, uh, you know, when I'm not doing podcasts. Okay, so my question was silly. I'm sorry. I, I, nope. You're on such a different level. So the simple uh, summary of the process goes like this: ribs in a smoker, 270, thickest part of the ribs, closer to the fire. Check the meat at the end of the first and second hours, spritzing the edges with some apple cider. You can also use beer. Yeah. Um, two and a half hours into the cook, spritz the ribs thoroughly. Make sure everything's just wet to the touch. Then dilute some barbecue sauce and what you're spritzing with to equal parts, squeeze that on top of the ribs. 
after the three hour mark, take the ribs off, spritz the su- spritz and sauce one last time, wrap them. Like I said, I use butcher paper. Some people use foil. I just find the butcher paper helps it uh, not dry out as easy. And then put them back in for the last remaining three hours. Take the ribs off at the six hour mark, let them rest for 30 minutes. I usually place it in a cooler to rest just so it's not a, a, a quick cool. It's more of a slow, gradual cool. And uh, enjoy, and you're welcome. That's really it. Now you got me thinking about ribs. Yeah. Great work. Great work. I think, and I've done briskets. I've done uh, you know, salmon. I, 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 whatever I can put on a smoker, I put on a smoker. But the ribs, I feel, is one of my best creations. And it's very simple once you get the hang of it. Do it a couple times. Um, again, look it up. The Aaron Franklin method is what I use. Go ahead and try the three, two, one method. That's when you uh, put it in for three hours unwrapped. Then you put it, in, then you wrap it for two hours, and then you put it back in unwrapped for the last hour. To me, that's just a lot of work, and it doesn't. I I haven't had fantastic success. I've the three three method is has been very consistent. Okay. All right. I uh, yeah. Okay, I asked what was on your mind, and you're definitely in vacation mode. That's for sure. I am. I'm just drinking whiskey, smoking cigars. We're going to be firing up the smoker uh, tomorrow, and got some brisket here that we're going to be smoking. And so, yeah, we are straight up, feet up, balls in the air, just chilling down here. Balls in the air. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, well, okay, that is good. I, you know, my mind is in different places. It's all over the place. It's, you know, Sometimes it is like trying to catch cats in the backyard as far as trying to get a plausible thought. I was thinking about this uh, completely off the smoker route. uh, route. I want to know what you thought about the student athlete, the NIL, the the earning potential for the student athlete. You familiar with that at all? I am not. Okay. Well, you know, they talked about how they are, uh, basically a fair and balanced set of rules for student athletes to monetize their name, image, and likeness, et cetera. You know, that's the term NIL, name, image, and likeness. Uh, but the big question is, you know, where, you know, what, what they're going to get as far as like what they can and what, you know, that, you know, that deal as it is. Now I'm not really looking at numbers and things like that. And I just started my dive into it a little bit. Uh, but I, and I heard some stories about some athletes that are out there that, you know, the, the potential of what they can get, the compensation, you know, and it works through the licensing deals and all, all that. Hmm. Um, now, my question is, does that now make, does that change the game? It's, is it no longer an amateur sport? Is it not professional? Well, I think that falls under what they like in college, for example, they college kids can't get paid. Right. So that's right. So, but, but now they can. Right. And so I feel personal opinion. If you're not, if, if you're getting paid to do something, theoretically, you're, you're in a professional level of some sort. Okay. Okay. That, that would, to me, that's the, like the defining mo- uh, moment of, being an amateur to, uh, you know, professional. Okay. Now we can, we can argue, okay. Student athletes. I mean, that's the term they're using, you know, 
before this concept even came about, the trade-off was, okay, you're going to get a scholarship. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to get education. Yeah. Uh, let, let's just assume on the, on the top end for free, we would cover all like a, let's say a regular student who's not an athlete. Let's say they had all the expenses of the typical student that's covered because now you're an athlete. It's the incentive to actually be on our team and you know, be involved in the sport. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So that uh, makes sense. But now, I mean, now that we've got this, okay, the name image and likeness NIL, you can sit there and say, Oh, that that's you. That's, that's the person themselves. But there's no way in the world your name, image, and likeness would matter unless you were not engaged in the sport, right? It's true. So, you know, I, I don't know. And I'm just, this is, someone can easily say, oh, well, this is what it is. This is what the intent is. Um, but if you're telling me the potential, okay, we got some, you know, some guy on the tennis team or, you know, somebody on the lacrosse team, something where, some type of sport, volleyball team, you know, something I'm not talking about. It's, it's in everybody's mind's eye as far as like, okay, this person's going to be the volleyball and all of a sudden they're going to be, you know, the name for Nike. Now we all know it's the high profile sports. It's the football, basketball, and then baseball to some degree, but those are the big two as far as like what catches the college athletes, you know, what people are looking at and what's going to, what you're going to watch on Saturday in the fall, you're going to watch yeah. football, you know, and then obviously the winter you're going to watch basketball. So those images there are the ones. Now, would you agree there's going to be a disparity in what they can earn? Yeah, I think it kind of changes the game a little bit because once you're sponsored or once you're monetizing yourself, now you're playing for different reasons. Yeah. You know, uh, the one of the things that a lot of people like about college ball, whether it be basketball or football, is that they're not playing for money. They're playing for the sport they're playing for their future they're, they're they're playing for other reasons whereas you know professionals are playing for dollars and they're playing for bonuses you know one of those unwritten rules is you know in baseball it just happened recently where <clears throat> i forgot what team it was but they were just getting their their ass handed to them and it was like the ninth inning and the other t- the, the winning team that was ahead by a, a significant amount was just kept hammering them and hit some dingers and, and did all these things. And they were like, well, you know, why did you, well, because that person who was at, at the plate and if he's going up against a, a pitcher who he knows he can hit a home run off of, he's got maybe a contract that says X amount of home runs or X amount of RBIs will get you X amount of bonus. Yeah. I think me and you talked about some incentive laden like that. Yep. Versus, Oh, the, a, you know, why are you running up the score kind of deal? Ethically, right? And it also puts the, you know, I also feel that some of those kids, they're young enough where they're going to do some stupid things. Sure. And so if they're sponsored by Nike or Under Armour or whoever, and they go ahead and they party one night at a club and they do something stupid, that could ruin their college career, it could ruin their future, and it could also <clears throat> taint the label itself that, that they're sponsored by as, as well. So it's a, it's a business decision that I, I'm not sure a lot of those companies want to put their money on a, on a kid who is still in college. Well, I mean, I, I kinda, it's interesting you said that because it brought me to an, like, a sub thought. 
the big controversy that's talking out there is where you heard about that that number one re- recruit is going to Jackson State uh, as opposed, you know, where Deion Sanders is coaching football right now, as opposed to going to Alabama or an SEC school. And you know, it, it's it's been the talk in sports radio. This is what's going on. The person went down there, and I got a couple thoughts on that. Well, number one, if I'm NIL. Okay, it it my NIL my NIL will go wherever I go. Would you agree with that? And so if I go to a let's call it this a, a lesser tier school, but I am a blue chipper on the top end, I've immediately become the big fish in a small pond. Correct? Uh, yeah. By this, so I will you know I have a better chance of blowing out the competition or excelling personally at this level and you know with that you know just you know breaking all these ncaa records let's say okay now just and in the meantime i'm monetizing my name image and likeness and you know doing crazy stuff at a lesser at a lesser level of competition um you know that's one aspect of it but then the other part of it is now what do you think is this guy immediately Okay, the number one pick in the NFL draft. Uh, and when I say that, I'm like, okay, we, we could probably look at the pedigree of Alabama. How many Alabama and Georgia, for that matter, how many first round top end picks were taken out of those two schools? Let's, let's even go back five years. You know, how many of those students that played at those, uh, in those programs have gone to the NFL? You know, I, I, I'm not expecting to know a number, but it seems as though they are NFL ready or prepped for the NFL at that level. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, are we going to have a run where I'll go somewhere else? I'll go to a division two. Heck I'll go to division three. I don't care, but as long as I'm getting monetized and get uh, monetizing my name, image, and likeness and having an, an endorsements, but wouldn't that be the whole thing about endorsements? Like, Hey, I want this kid to do good wherever he goes. Uh, because more people will buy the product with this person's name on it, or you know what I'm saying? Yep, not exactly. And again, your decisions are based differently. Your your gameplay is based differently. It's a it, it does change the game a little bit, especially in the, in the college world. Yeah, yeah, I, you're right. And also, too, I mean, I, I think. Uh, I wanted to bring this up. I know we don't we try to keep happy subjects and talk about that, but I do feel compelled to, you know, express our deep hurt feelings and condolences to the families that we experienced the shooting down in Texas. And uh, you know, that was also on my mind as well. It's just, you know, it's just that head shaker. And, you know, I know you feel the same way. Yep. You know, you know, people shake their heads like why? I mean gun control and I'm not going to get into the gun control concept, but you know, the thing that always jumped out at me all along since Columbine was, and I know people don't want to go this route, but it's the schools themselves. They have to be fortified. I know you don't want to send your kid to a place that looks like a fortress or a citadel, but uh, you know, that's where we're at. And I know we don't want to go ahead and, and I guess go ahead and wave the flag and say that we don't want that. We would never want our kids to go to somewhere like that. But the trade-off, you know, I mean, there's too many incidents that are out there. If you study it, 
and see, you know, the access to the school is where these people were able to, to, you know, have access to these soft targets. So, yep. you know, I, you know, I, I mean, we, I mean, like I said, it's, we can get on that. I don't want to go ahead and turn it into that, but I'm just talking about what's on my mind. And that's something I've been thinking about for the last two decades. I mean, basically having, you know, uh, a, a intercom system with a glass door and somebody buzzed you in is not a, a security system. Yeah. <laughs> I think there are a couple ways to look at it without getting into the weeds. Of things, first and foremost, our, our thoughts and prayers go out to you know, those families. Um, the facts are there have been 27 shootings since January. Um, this one obviously being uh, you know, the latest. And uh, <clears throat> you can go with multiple options. You have different views out there. And I had this topic this, last night with, with my wife and it's one of those things where you can either uh, unarm the country or to a certain extent to avoid a certain artillery being in the wrong hands or you, you, you know, go the security route and you, you arm uh, more people. So it's either you unarm or you, <laughs> you, uh, you know, arm more. So uh, either way you look at it, it, uh, it's a weird discussion. Uh, a lot of people have different opinions. I don't have enough data to back any type of argument. Uh, I do know that I want to agree with what Jimmy Kimmel said on the show. And it was that the first, second, and even third time it happened, um, you know, it was their fault. It was the shooter's fault. It was uh, whatever's fault. But at this point, so many has happened. So many lives lost. Uh you know, especially kids. I mean, for for Christ's sake, when I we live in Chicago, mm-hmm. I watch the news every morning, and there's a there's a shooting, there's a shooting on the the CTA, there's a shooting here, there's a shooting. Like it's almost natural. It's almost it doesn't even phase me anymore when I watch the news in the Chicago area. But the fact is, it's not it's not their fault anymore. I mean, it is to that extent, but we as a country, need to unite and find a solution. Whatever that solution may be, whatever ground you stand on, we need to find common ground, find a way to avoid this happening. Yeah, and, and that and that is exactly true. Um, but me, it's, it goes with the way, way back. I mean, and that's the thing about it. This thing is, is awful. It's, it's, it's gut-wrenching. It is... There's so many things about it where I think that's where the notice is, is like, how is this happening at such a grand scale? Especially when we should have learned from Columbine, Virginia yeah. Tech, uh, Northern Illinois, Sandy Hook of all places. Okay, these are ones that have happened before. Parkland, okay? That is, okay, what had happened? The common denominator, there was a uh, armed individual who was able to do what they did. What defenses, what major defenses have been put in place? And I'm not just talking about response. I know we're talking about rapid response. You know, police have actually come light years since Columbine. No question about that. But, uh, you know, society, you know, from our inception was, I keep coming with that fortress mentality. Yeah. You know, do we talk to, do we talk to government contractors, military type? You know, how do you guys defend your barracks when you're on foreign soil? One thing that caught my attention and... I, you know, we'll, we'll kind of conclude this 
shortly yeah. before. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's but, it's uh, one of those things that goes the way it goes, you know. Um, what I learned last night is that this latest shooting, the police couldn't get into the building. The police took because it was on lockdown, and and the response for law enforcement took ninety minutes to get into that building. Yeah, and because because they they just couldn't get in because of the lockdown that was in place, which, you know, look at it from different ways. Great. It was on the lockdown. But then again, you know, there was a certain there was a situation where response couldn't get into the building to neutralize uh, quick enough, you know, so- see. And then that's and I'm glad you brought that up because that is out there. I'm not buying in until we have a formalized report. Yep. Because I've heard other things, too, like. Like I said, there's a lot of information out there, and this is such a sensitive subject. I've heard of the fact that one of the doors was propped open. Uh, that's how he got in. Uh, you know, because that, that call for the active shooter, you know, was long before he actually got into the building because there was engagement outside the building. So there was talk of, well, how did he get in? You know, and they're saying there was a door that was propped open that he was managed to get through. Now, I don't know how true that is. And I'm, I'm just basically, like I said, I, I will not commit to anything as far as what I know about this until there's like a formalized report that comes out and says, OK, this is what happened. I know I've seen some things out there that show timelines, that show times when somebody made a certain call, uh, the parties that were involved. And they do give you and you're right. They do give that 90 minutes, uh, basically incident event. Uh, type of uh, enclosure, let's say, or that whole encompassing and everything that happened within there. But um, there's definitely more that's going to come out of this. Already police are saying they made a a wrong decision uh, as far as like handling the active shooter as opposed to treating it it like a barricaded subject. And once again, I am not reporting the news. I'm just knowing what I hear. And I'm not committing to anything until I heard more about it. But it sounds like those are the pieces of information that are coming out. Uh, but once again, you know, we can go back and forth on this, but we can't get around the fact the victims, the victims. Yep. Children. Ch- uh, yeah. And, I mean, and a life is a life, but a ch- children, we're talking, yeah. my, you know, our kids are in. These yeah. Schools yeah. And precious, precious life. And I'm not saying and yeah. it's right. It's very hard. It's a very tough way to compartmentalize this and say, hey, one life is more than another. Everybody gets it. The kids in the who haven't had a chance to live yet. I think that's really where it's so disheartening. I, I don't have the words. I'm yeah. numb. I'm kind of numb on it uh, yeah. because it just hurts across. And I don't know any of these kids, but it hurts across the board uh, in this country. So anyway, yeah, I didn't want to get into it. I wanted to say it because we should get due respect for this incident, but you want to move on? Uh, let, let's just uh, shift the gears in a completely different direction. And I know that you're uh, into weird topics, weird uh, things. And I heard this and it made me think this is a good head scratcher. I wanted to get your opinion. Go ahead. Lines of longitude on Earth, mm-hmm. approximately every 15 degrees, is a time zone. They get adjusted to go around national borders and state borders, that sort of thing. But the lines of longitude demark time. Yes. Yet all lines of longitude meet at the poles, north and south. Uh-huh. So what time uh, is it at the poles? So, for example, at the North Pole, 
24 time zones collide at a single point, rendering them meaningless. Right. It's simultaneous. It's simultaneously all of Earth's time zones and none of them at the same time. There are no boundaries of any kind in this abyss, in part because of there is no land and no people. So the sun rises and sets just uh, once per year. So the time of day is irrelevant. Hmm. Do you want my, my thought on that? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Why not? Okay. It, it, once again, I, I kind of bring it back to simple. Okay. Do you have a ruler in front of you? Uh, no. You don't need one because you can visualize it. What is the measurement for the very beginning of that ruler? The outside edge of it. You could literally put your finger on it. The one that I always cut myself on? Yes, uh, yes. Zero. Exactly. And the end of it? I mean, depending on the size of the ruler. Yeah. But yes. Would you, could we correlate or compare those okay. points? Those points are the same thing that I just imparted to you as far as the ruler goes. They're not part of the measurement. They're part of the start, the finish, or whatever it may be. I see what you did. Hmm? I see what you did there. I know you know it. You're the master early. Yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, man invented time. Could we agree with that? Yes. Okay, and man needs to... By the way, before I get spawned, are you topping off yet? I, uh, I'm actually only halfway through my, my first class. Oh, you're terrible. I know. Put a nipple on it. See what happened with vacation does to you? My God. I know. Well, I know plenty this evening. Okay. All right. I'll give you, I'll give you a pass. Uh, but once again, like for me, when we're talking about deep thoughts, you know, I, I, even as a kid, I looked at my watch. I, when I got my first digital watch and you know how you have the digital second hand on there? They had sundials when you were a kid, right? They had what? Sundials? No, no, no. I, that, I didn't get those until I was in high school. Got it. Okay, okay not as a kid. But um, anyway, I looked at that and I saw, you know, you looked at your watch and you saw the seconds going off. And I was deep thinking, I'm like, wow, that second that just revealed itself waited its whole time to reveal itself in that point in time. And now it's gone. Think about that. And uh, I wonder, like, that is what we're trying to go ahead and bridle or try to harness. Uh, you know, the concept of time is basically us putting it into the seconds, the nanoseconds, the minutes. Uh, it's just basically an organizational feature in our lives uh, to conduct order, create order. Would you agree? Yep. You know, everything about it is, you know, right off the bat, when you say time sensitive, just means you're bringing attention to a specific uh, a topic or a specific uh, task you're doing, but it's it's always time sensitive. Everything we do is time related, whether we acknowledge it at that given time or not. What I think is amazing to me is the fact that we're able to uh, we create our time tables, if you will, the revolving of our planet, the rotation of our planet. And down to the minute, the second of when the sun's going to set and when it's going to go ahead and reveal itself in the ensuing day. That has always intrigued me about, wow, look what we've done, you know, as a species and have to be able to actually uh, tether ourselves to that. I mean, that, the little things that you take, for, you take for granted, more or less, I'm like, okay, look at that. So, 
Look what you brought me. Gosh. Yep. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Our fans are fans are like, God, I'm checking out. And I got a do donor myth, and it, it, it uh, kind of correlates to where we are right now. Okay. Um, so don't take your band off of your cigar right away. Don't. Do not. Yeah, do not. Right. So obviously, you don't want to smoke the band. Correct. But if you have to take the band off, uh, or I'm sorry, you don't have to take the band off before you light up. Uh, smoke your cigar until it is roughly about an inch away from the band and then remove it. The heat from the cigar actually loosens the adhesive on the inside of the band so you can peel it off gently without tearing the wrapper loose. Fact. Many cigars uh, are good at keeping, uh, are good for keeping. Uh, I, we have a whole box of memories of all of our bands. Um, so, and uh, you can keep a record of, of what you smoked, what you liked, what you didn't like. Um, but one fun fact is that the Leaf by Oscar... Uh, actually has a smokable band. The Leaf by Oscar has a band that is made out of uh, stems from tobacco leaves, which are processed into a paper-like material. So theoretically, you don't have to remove that band. I'm I haven't smoked it through the band. I've always taken it off, but you could if you wanted to. I'm going to echo the sentiments of our listeners. Genius. A completely organic type of concept. Long time coming. I mean, I feel... If they can make a, a, a band out of tobacco leaves and stems, you know, that is almost a segue into another conversation on why are we not using that same method for paper and saving some trees and all that jazz. But that's another. Because we, we don't smoke paper. Wait a minute. Uh, well, you know, there's, there's those straws that are out there that are basically a paper-based, right? Yes. So they're biodegradable, capable of being decomposed by natural biological processes. Yep. Um, boy, you got my basically got my wheels turning in regards to that. I like to uh, turn your wheels. Yeah, I mean, they do need some turning at my old age. Um, some some oil, some WD forty to get them moving, but they'll, they'll move. So that is some great stuff. Um, I was actually doing a little bit of reading too about the tobacco the tobacco plant. And you probably know this. I'm just basically probably repeating this or uh, speaking to the, you know, teaching to the choir, um, preaching to the choir, the uh, tobacco plant itself. Now, the most sought after leaves are at what we're at on the plant itself. The most sought after, I believe, is the top of the plant, which Ooh. is the, the head of. See, this is where I think I tripped you. I think I tripped you. Um well- is more stronger strong is that right that's not proper english more stronger no um but you I, are um they are what gives the cigar its nicotine pop the strength huh. a lot of the leaves down at the bottom at the uh seco yeah uh, that is that gives you more of a bigger broad leaf which would then give you a, a better wrapper for presentation mm-hmm. and and sometimes flavor Okay. See, now I'm glad we had this conversation because some sources I read said the middle of the plant are your more sought after higher quality ones. And the ones toward the top are more for your higher tensile strength, Yep, which you'd use for your binder. So I think, I think the middle of the plant is the, the basil leaf. Yeah. Yeah. You have the seco at the bottom, the basil, and then the lajero. Up top. 
but the top ones are the stronger ones. They're, they wouldn't yeah. be the highest quality ones, the middle no. ones. No, they get the most sun. Yeah. So, which then in turn through the whole fermentation and, and uh, curing process will give you more strength. Okay, so you're saying the top. The top is strength. The middle... Well, oh, so you're saying strength. We're not talking. You're talking the strength of the, you know, the, the. Uh, because they're which, they're they're also smaller too. Because the the tobacco plant kind of grows like a Christmas tree, right? So you have the down at the bottom. You have big, big, broad leaves. Uh huh. The middle, slightly smaller, but you're starting to you, you start to get into the strength a little bit, but you're getting more flavor from the basil leaf, and then the top are small, but. You can't use that for a wrapper. You can't use it for. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure if you can use it for a binder or not. But yeah. they'll throw it. In, they'll throw it in, uh, into the the filler. For that's why when we talked to Eric Bay, he said when he made the Dark Warwich, he had them throw another a little bit more Lajero in there just to to make it a little more stronger. Yeah. Okay. So now let me break this for you. So we're talking about what four different levels of it. So you've got at the top Ligero, then Diso, Seco, then Volado from top to bottom. And if I could, if you will, the Volado, the leaves on this or the leaves on this particular level are mainly used to help the cigar burning since they contain fewer oils and very little flavor. The Seco, as you mentioned, offer mild flavor to cigars since they contain oils and nicotine the Viso or V-I-S-O, these leaves are more have more oils and strength than the previous ones. And those are like right, that's the second from the top, those leaves. And then the Ligero is the part of the plant with the most oils, which adds the most strength, which is the top, which you're saying there. Um so when we say the I mean, I guess maybe my my terminology is the best leaf. Is that is that even a thing to say or what's I guess the, as far as the quality goes, they all play their part. Yeah, I think like uh, just like anything, best is opinion based, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Hey, uh, let's let's get to our ratings. What what would you rate this cigar? Oh, oh, yeah, this cigar right here. I have to. I mean, <sighs> shoot. I mean, do I get into the rarefied air with it? Because I've had nothing but a good experience with it. Uh, knee-jerk reaction. I'm not going to get too wordy. I'm going to go 7.9. Really? Yeah, I really liked it. Really enjoyed it. Go higher than you. What? You? I'm, I'm going to go a whole, whole number higher. I'm going to go 8.9. Oh, my God. I am. I am. Or, or good gracious. Yeah. Good golly, Miss Molly. Indeed. Uh, you yeah. are, you're almost at the you see you're at the nine level. You're almost at number nine. You're almost at nine. I'm uh I, yeah I'm I'm within arm's reach of the nine. Uh, not quite in the nines. Um, but right there. definitely right there. I feel this thing had a, a a great flavor, consistent burn. Didn't have to touch it up. The ash looks well. Good construction. Great presentation. Um. Smooth, good retro hail flavors uh, all the way through. It has changed a little bit on me. I lost uh, the the espresso flavor I'm getting. Yeah, cedar uh, now. Maybe it's because I'm uh, just about finished with my double uh, on my my 
Chattanooga 91. So, but yeah, I, I would go. Wow, that is awesome. Um, and I also remember that this cigar you gave me. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, you're more than welcome. It is. So, I mean, it is. You know, you're not wrong. I mean, I think we're coming to the point where I think the two of us are starting to now discern our own, you know, what basically peaks us or basically triggers us as far as our, our, you know, our pleasure receptors, if you will. Mm, uh, I mean, could, could this be into the eights for me? Yeah, no, no doubt. But being very, but being critical of it, uh, you know, I, it, 7.9 for me is a highly enjoyable top end. Uh, but you basically, it's, you know, you got it with some people like and some people love, and you are in the love category, my friend. Good good for you. I am. I'm. Uh, yeah. What about the Nuga? The, the Nuga whiskey, Chad Nuga whiskey. Well, already based. Okay. So back from this point right here, like I said before, uh, the thing that got me is I went in with my bias saying, oh, my gosh, we got ourselves a uh, higher octane. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and expect the normal. Not the case. Uh, it was a higher octane. No doubt about it. Uh, the flavor that was involved in it, even though I couldn't just discern that and give it and give an adjective for each one of those flavors, I could tell there were a difference in the flavors. Uh, normally what I've experienced early on uh, is the alcohol was basically predominant and the flavors were secondary. This one is in concert. They are... It's well crafted, and what gets me is I don't get why this is so good, and the price, and the price is quite affordable for what you are. I mean, yeah, it, and I didn't really think that was even going to come into the equation, but it definitely does. And yeah, I'm going to go with at this point in time with this particular. Uh, it's an eight point two, for sure. Eight point two. Yeah, I, I, I'm along there. I'm on that same train. I'm probably in the caboose a little bit. Um, I think... Waving to the fans. The Yes. The price point plays a huge factor, and I know that's probably something that we shouldn't really wave our opinion on. We but shouldn't, but it jumped out. It jumped out. You throw a $35 bottle of Chattanooga in front of me with no label on it. I pour myself a glass. Then I go grab a you know an unlabeled bottle of Blanton's pour myself a glass and I know there's going to be some haters out there, but I, I would choose this over a, you know, an expensive bottle of whiskey all day. Yeah. I know we would definitely enjoy them both. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, yeah. Uh, well, I feel uh, like the, the, the expensive whiskey is kind of like a Cuban cigar. Uh-huh. People want what they can't have. Sure. And so a lot of those expensive whiskeys, you know, the, the Blantons, the Pappies, the whatever, the Wellers, they, they're good. Yeah. Not to take that away from it. But are they $100 bottles, $200 bottles? Like, are, are, is it worth it? And, like, I think we've had this conversation before. What's your return? And Diminished I, returns, yeah. If you throw a $30, 30, $30 bottle of Chattanooga in front of me, dude, I'm a happy man. I, I, I will not be upset at all well i think we're also coming into that area where you can't ignore the price uh especially if we've got 
you know, we always use it, the average Joe and Joanne, that weighs heavily in their decisions as to what they're going to partake of. You yeah. know, I mean, are they going to go ahead and get to like, okay, I, let's say we found something that was very tasty at 35, but hey, if it was marked up to 38, it's kind of like, like a nuisance expense. Yeah, I'm going to buy that. And then yeah. the minute you tell me, oh, this is a $150 bottle, you know, I, I, I'm definitely giving pause. Now, there's that group out there like, oh, yeah, I, I, that's no problem. I do that all the time. And I couldn't tell you how many 150, 200 bottles of $200 bottles I've gone through in a year. Okay, that's not me, and that's not the majority of us, I believe. Um, so I think what we're trying to find is, okay, let's get that bandwidth uh, where you know you're going to have to pay to play, but you don't want to overplay, overpay. And I think we're starting to go ahead and move into that. So, I mean, do we from here on out start to go ahead and figure into the equation the price is one of these variables? I think price sets an expectation. I, I think you're right. When you grab an expensive cigar out of the humidor, you grab a, an expensive bottle of liquor, your, your expectation is immediately heightened. And will you sit there and enjoy it? Absolutely. Sure. But when you start sitting, staring, and comparing all of the, the, the aspects of the actual product, and that's why I'm a, a big fan of reading up reviews on like Blind Man's Puff and some of the reviews for, for whiskey where they don't, they don't know what they're drinking. And it's one of those things where you just don't know. You don't know the quality unless you try it. We've had some good liquors. We've had yeah. some good uh, cigars that are in a reasonable price point for Joe and Joanne. Sure. But for, for you know, the people out there who can afford it, have at it. Enjoy it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And in and, and a special occasion for, for myself, um, you know, I will, in, I will indulge, but I also feel my expectation. I immediately feel like a king on a throne when I have a glass of, you know, pappies in my hand and I'm smoking a, you know, Opus X and I'm just sitting there like king shit. I, well, you, what you did is, and I agree with you because now, now you're starting to appreciate the finer level. Like I'm not going to name the cigar cause it might come down the line, but remember, our, our last episode, me and Matt, we, you know, we we're doing, we we're doing, we sat down and I brought him a cigar that I told him I'm going to bring it to you. Spent, we spent a couple bucks on it. Uh, it was like a $19, $20 cigar. And uh, I want to say that I think we could both agree. We smoked it the same. I didn't have it before. I don't think he did either. And when we sat there and put it through our little tests, but then our personal view test or how we, you know, we felt with it and whatever it may be. Uh, yeah, we were like, okay, now I understand why this cigar is a little bit more expensive than most. Yep. Would you agree? I mean, yeah. And and you'll come across those, those situations. I I definitely agree. Yeah. So basically the price for what it was like, okay, fine. I will, we paid the price for it and the outcome, uh, I would have to say was expected or, or exceeded expectations even. Uh, have uh, have you taken your band off yet? Uh, let's see. I got, I think I, I can because it is close enough, but I don't want to quite take it off because I got one more thing to talk about with you. Sure. Um, have you seen a discovery channel, this show called the Kings of pain? No. Okay. When you get done, do yourself a favor. Just give you a little backstory. These two guys, one guy's Australian, the guy's American. And 
what they do is literally have creatures bite them and they rate them like how we rate our quality of cigars and, and whiskey or brown liquor that is they do the same thing so okay let me give you what their ratings are okay what they'll do is i, I if i get it wrong i'm sorry uh intensity duration and damage and they're on our scale our 10 point scale so okay what i've noticed so far when i just dropped into this like these guys would do some really dumb stuff like they caught a uh a scorpion fish okay and i i wasn't familiar i heard of it not sure what it was but it definitely has a it's got a dorsal fin that hurts and it also delivers a venomous uh discharge so they take turns basically literally putting themselves in harm's way. So in this particular one, I started watching it. They had it in the tank. They have like this, their doctor friend who's there with them. And they literally like hold the thing down and let the spines come up and they plant their hand on top of it and get stung with this thing. And then they lose their shit. You, you get a good laugh out of it. And they take turns doing this. And then they did it with some scorpions and, uh, so what they do at the end of the day, they sit there night at a campfire and they give it the pain scale under that criteria. And what they're doing is they're building a catalog of intensity. So when I jumped in, this is, I think, been going a season. It's been going into season two. So they got bitten by tarantula, a pan, uh, not a panther, a python, two types of scorpions, a scorpion fish, I think a wasp and uh, this type of beetle. And <laughs> these guys are getting infected wow. you know, and, and getting the effects of it too like they're like going into tremors or hands are swollen up and i'm like i don't know why i'm laughing at it uh because it, it's got that it's got that scientific vibe but it's also got that fucking jackass <laughs> you know yep uh so i want you to go ahead and do a little homework and watch that in our next episode we'll bring a little bit more back into it because I res it resonated with me. Like these guys are obviously doing what we're doing experimentation and ratings. And I'm not going to run out and stick my hand on a scorpion fish. I don't know if you are, but uh, I won't. you won't not today at least. No, no, not today. No, no. Um, all right. Now I'm taking the band off. So yeah, as we take the band off and burn through the last third, uh, Ken, you'll you'll see on the on the band, and I don't know if it's just mine, but on the big band, there's two bands. One it just says AJ Fernandez, the small, right, right. and then the bigger band it says Ramona Lone's AJ Fernandez. On the back, I got a, a AJ Fernandez put his name on it, like a signature on the back end of the late on the band, which I think is yeah, I got really, that. Yeah, really yeah. yeah, it's almost like him saying like this is my product, I'm putting my name on it. That's how good it is, type of thing. So, um, as you say, you're gonna have like. Total consciousness. I thought it was kind of cool. No, that is cool. I mean, it's it's funny how those little things, you know, some of the parts equal the whole, the little things that you're going to remember. Attention to detail. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this episode is down to a nub. Yes. Remember to hit and subscribe that button. Uh, Turn on notifications. Don't miss an episode. All that jazz. Uh, Until the next time we put smoke in the air. I want everybody to stay safe, especially, uh, you know, out there in, in the, the crazy world that we live in. Stay smoky uh, and stay classy, everybody. We'll see you next time here at the Cigar Social Podcast. And Matt, safe travels back home. Can't wait to see you and do our next podcast. 
And yeah. For rest, and for the rest of you folks, I'm telling you, all you really have to do is do your best to be the best version of yourself every day. Can't wait to see you guys again or hear from you again. Take care. See you later, everybody. Bye. Mm-hmm.